a condition that we all share about in just a few moments and and my hope is that technology is going to going to keep pace with us for this morning because when I first walked in the first message I got was we'd had major technological issues and had to change some power supplies and and I am preaching blind today I don't know if you if you know but there's that monitor back there on the wall for me to see what's on the screen so I don't need to turn around I have no monitor so if everything messes up it's it's technology's fault right okay and and I'm just I'm just thinking how easily technology changes our lives and and poor Kim was reading off the script that I gave her when she said that the that the uh, men's breakfast is 2 weeks from yesterday that's because I cut and paste that and I'm thinking as she's saying that why are you saying that that I realized it's because that's what I cut and pasted for her to read because you know technology it repeats the same mistake over and over and over again until it's corrected so by the way that men's breakfast is is this coming Saturday just to make that ab- abundantly clear and so you know I'm, I'm an old guy um, how many of you used a rotary phone? Look at all these old people raising their hands, everybody. I mean, that, that's the way things used to be. We thought we were so cool when we got a 25-foot cord on our phone that was you know, hanging on the wall because we could walk in several different rooms and still be on the telephone. It was just absolutely amazing. And now life has changed so dramatically, hasn't it, with everything that's, that's going on. And um, I, 
this texting thing takes me forever because I'm a one finger texter and, and I watch my kids with their two thumbs and it's incredible for me. So it'll take me like a minute and a half to write a four line text and I send it to my kids and with, within seconds, they have a whole paragraph written out sending it back to me. And I'm, I'm, I'm just overwhelmed by sort of the realities of technology and, and how it, it changes our lives so much. But we also need to know that the more things change, the more they stay the same because in reality, uh, we are still the same people with the same needs and the same opportunities that people have had since the dawn of time, since creation itself. And that's why as we start this year, we are, we're beginning to think in terms of who we are. It's a, it's a return to this, this, what we're calling the grace point identity. And you'll remember the first question was simply, who are we? And we thought about that the first Sunday of this month. And, and then the, the next Sunday, the question was, what do we believe? And we had this privilege of, of tracing from Genesis to Revelation, the, the whole story of salvation. Last week, we addressed the question, where do we serve? And we thought in terms of those concentric circles that are outlined for us in, in um, the Bible in, in uh, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, where uh, we're told that we begin at home and then our responsibility grows as we share that all the way out to the entire world. And so this morning, we're going to address the question, why do we do what we do? And if you don't get anything else out of today, I, I'm going to answer that question with one very short four-word sentence. Why do we do what we do? Why do we give grace? Why do we love people? Why do we choose to forgive? Why do we try to live lives that are pleasing to the Lord? Why do we do what we do? Here's the simple answer. It is a response. That everything we do in this life is a response to what God has already done for us. And as believers in Christ, we need to understand that reality and to live it out in our lives. We give grace because he gave us grace. We serve because he served us. We love because he first loved us. And that's where the Apostle John landed. He wrote about why we do what we do in his first letter, 1 John chapter 4. You've already seen it on video. Listen to the words from Scripture. John said, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God's love is in us and his love is made complete in us. We love because he first loved us. 
Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they've not seen. And this is the command he has given us. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. Now, those words are actually the completion, the conclusion to this rather large section in John's first letter about this issue. And it actually starts in chapter 3, verse 1, where he says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. So when, when John first thought about the love of God, he, he stood in awe of the fact that, that God would love us in such a lavish way that the creator of the universe, the creator of all that exists, the maker of the vast planets and this solar system would not only know you, but would love you and give himself for you and then invite you into a relationship with him that lasts forever. I love that term he uses. He says God lavishes his love on us by inviting us to be his children. We're not just called children of God. We are children of God. Uh, can we do a little theology for a moment? That kind of jazzes me up. So, so biblically, you, un, you need to understand that you are a child of God in two ways. First, you are a child of God by spiritual rebirth. You remember Jesus explained it as simply as possible to Nicodemus, as recorded in John chapter 3, where he said to Nicodemus, you must be born again. That just as you come into this world through a brand new experience, so it is when you give your life to Christ, you enter a brand new relationship there as well. And, and guess what? As soon as you are born, you're somebody's child. You're born into a family. You're born into relationship. And, and the same is true of spiritual rebirth. When you commit your life to Jesus, you are born into a new family. You are a child of God with new parent. But remember, the Bible says, not only are you spiritually reborn into a new family, it also says that God adopts you into his family. So you are a, you are a member of the family of God by spiritual rebirth and also through adoption. You know, on the night before Jesus went to the cross, he knew his disciples were going to feel this sense of abandonment. And he made this very interesting promise. He said, in John chapter 14, I will not leave you as orphans. I will not leave you alone. You will always be a child of God. And the apostle Paul picked up on that and wrote in Ephesians chapter one, these words. He chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will 
to the praise of the of his glorious grace, which he's freely given us in the one he loves. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. And again, Paul uses that same word that he lavished on us. You know what that tells us? It tells us that you are wanted by God. That's pretty cool. I love to hear adoptive parents explain their relationship with their child. And, and usually it takes kind of the same tack. They say all those other parents, they just got what they got. You know, whatever came out, that, that's what they were stuck with. <laughs> but not us. Not us. We chose you. We, we wanted you. So I hope you understand when you're a child of God, you are a child of God by nature through spiritual rebirth. And you are a child of God by choice because you have been adopted by God. Actually, you might want to think about it in these terms. That when you are born again, when you have that spiritual rebirth, you become a child of God by your choice because God lets you decide whether or not you're going to commit your life to him. But never forget, through adoption, you are God's child by his choice. And he chose that, as the Bible says, from the beginning of time. He wants nothing more than for you to be his child. And so the apostle Paul says, God's grace was lavished on us. The Apostle John says he lavishes his love on us. And as I said, what it means is it's all summed up in the fact that when you live your life of faith, when you choose to serve God, it is always a response. We love because he first loved us. So we're talking about this section that starts in chapter one, excuse me, verse one of chapter three and goes all the way through chapter four in John's first letter. And so it starts with this reminder that we're children of God. It ends with this great conclusion about what it means to be ch children of God. And then in the middle, he gives some specific directives about how that relationship is supposed to work itself out. So in chapter three, verse seven, he wrote, Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. And then you catch the same formula again in chapter 3, verse 18, where he says, Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. And then in chapter 4, verse 1, the formula changes just slightly. He says, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. So let's think about those admonitions in the context of the reality that we are observing today, that everything we do as believers is a response to the grace and love that's already been demonstrated to us through Christ. So how ought I to respond to the fact that I am loved, that I have already been given grace? Because you know what grace is, right? Grace is love put into action. So it starts in 1 John 3, 7. 
And, and, and I've sort of put it in my own language. It means that as a child of God, my responsibility is to keep the main thing the main thing. John wrote, dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. And there are plenty of people in this world who are subtly creating an environment to lead you away from your faith. The Apostle Paul actually called it the way of the world. And it surrounds us in, in so many, many ways. And, and life is so much different. Um, if you used a rotary phone, you probably remember when you only had three stations on television. No apps. Just three options. And after first service, I had a few old people come up and say, and don't forget, you didn't have a remote either. So if, if you wanted to change the station, you had to get up off the couch, and that was just terribly difficult. A lot of times we watch the same thing because we were too lazy to change the station. It's just a, an amazing thing to think about. But, but we are surrounded by so many options. And most of them we have to be very careful about because it's easy for us to, to be led astray by, by all of those options that are a part of our world. And, and it influences us to think about things in terms of pleasure rather than truth. Uh, it, it helps us think about things in terms of what I want, that that's more important than what is right and true and best. And, and it focuses on your comfort rather than serving others and, and giving yourself away in the name of Jesus. And, and you're, you're surrounded by influences that try to get you to ask the question, what's in this for me? And, and when you adopt that mentality, as subtly as it comes into your life, it begins changing the way you understand your responsibility as a believer in Christ. And if you continue on in uh, chapter 3, you'll see that the apostle associates this pervasive mentality in our world with our obligation to fight it by living a righteous life. If you've been around me for very long, you know I have a simple definition for righteousness. Righteousness simply means being right with God. It's, it's aligning my life with what God wants for me. Because when I know what God wants for me, I have a choice to make. I can do all these other things that I would like to do or seem interesting, or I can choose to bring my life in line with what God is calling me to do. And, and so the Apostle Paul says, uh, one of the first things you have to do is, is understand this reality and, and to live it out. Joshua's challenge made thousands of years ago is still apropos today. Do you remember what he said in chapter 24? He simply said, choose this day whom you will serve. It's, it's a daily choice. It's a, a regular part of my life. 
And then you might remember that he responded to his own challenge by saying, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. We, We respond to God's love in our lives by choosing to keep the main thing the main thing. And, and it's not a choice that you can make just in one moment and say, well, that's done. It's a choice that happens daily as you live in response to all of the factors that bring influence into your life. And once you do that, then you realize that the next step is to live that out. In 1 John 3, 18, The apostle wrote, Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. So I've just cut that down to a really simple title. Love does. Actually, I stole that line. Love does is the title of a great book by Bob Goff. And if you've ever heard him speak or read his book, you know his enthusiasm for living out love and trusting God to fill the gaps. And and it's amazing to watch uh, his story unfold because he just jumps in with both feet deciding that he's going to love people and he's going to just see what happens knowing that God's going to be at work in all of that. Uh, And and his ability to do that is amazing. Uh, Matter of fact, I want to give you just a little flavor of his book, Love Does. And uh, I'm going to do that by quoting a few of the subtitles from his short little chapters. And it'll give you a sense of what it means to do more than just talk about loving people. He wrote, I used to want to fix people. Now I just want to be with them. I used to think being loved was the greatest thing to think about. But now I know love is never satisfied just thinking about it. I used to think that I could shape the circumstances around me. But now I know Jesus uses circumstances to shape me. I used to think you had to be special for God to use you. But now I know all you need to do is say yes. I used to think religion tasted horrible. Now I know I was just eating the fake stuff. I used to think knowing God was like going on a business trip with him. But now I know he's inviting me on a great adventure instead. I used to think God wasn't talking to me. Now I know I was just using selective hearing. I used to think taking risks would reduce the number of friends I have. But now I know that love draws people in. John appealed to his friends to do more than just talk about love. He asked them, he asks us to live it. And actually, he said to live it in truth. In other words, live love honestly. Because you can't fake love. Well, you can't fake love for long because sooner or later, your true motivations emerge and that's part of life. So don't just talk about love. Find a way to put it into action. We love because he first loved us. 
And that means keeping the main thing the main thing. It means being focused on more than just talking a good line. It's about living out the faith that we have already been given and this love that we have already received. And the way you do that best is described for us in 1 John 4, 1, where he wrote, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. In other words, keep tuned in to God. You know, we're talking about all of the smorgasbord of, of ways that we can stay tuned into our world. But one of the things that's hugely important is for us to focus on how we limit those external influences in our lives that tend to lead us away from God. But I, I also want to remind you that there are internal influences that create spiritual dynamic. It's those promptings that you feel from the inside. And often they are based on how you respond to people. Especially when you have been wronged or hurt. Because there's something inside all of us that yearns for payback. At least from our perspective. We want people to get what we think they deserve. And the Lord wants you to ask him to help you to resist that propensity and instead choose grace, which is love put into action. So when the Apostle, Paul, uh, Apostle John excuse me, wrote, test the spirits, it was his way of making the, the equivalent to that modern question, WWJD, what would Jesus do? We need to stop and, and ask that question. Because Satan has a plan for your life. He wants you to live in reaction. He wants you to be reactive all the time. If he can get you to respond quickly without thinking when you've been hurt or offended, he wins in your life. And that's so much easier than it used to be. Um, so social media uh, has created a whole new way for people to think about life. Uh, because, you know, you're, you're alone with your iPad or your computer or your phone or whatever it might be. And something really ticks you off. And before you know it, you've written it down. And then you hit send. And you, you've reacted to life and you've sent it out to the rest of the world. Even though you're all alone in your thoughts when that happens. And then other people start to read it. And you know what they do? It's all these crazy likes that come along. I like that you're ticked off. I want to be ticked off with you. And it's so easy for us to live in this reactive world. And the Lord wants us to think differently about life. He wants us to be proactive. He wants us to pause and think 
about what God has done for us and then act accordingly, act in response to that reality. Because you have hurt and offended the Lord. And how does he respond to you? Does he write you off? Does he complain to the rest of the world about you? No, one of the most amazing verses in all the, all the Bible, I think, is Romans 5.8. And it's the one that says, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. If you contemplate that amazing reality and you respond accordingly, if you stop when someone has offended or hurt you and you ask that question, how would Jesus respond to that? It changes everything. Because while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Well, I told you at the beginning, we can sum up everything we've talked about today with one simple statement. Love is a response. To love people well, you need to keep the main thing the main thing. You need to choose to put love into action. You need to check your propensity to react and instead be careful about the choices you make and be proactive in God's love. And you know in this series, we keep coming back to the grace point identity and we're defining it simply like this. We want to be a point of grace in our community and, and indeed in, in all of the world. But how does that happen? Because who we are collectively is reflected in who we are individually, correct? And so if, if we are going to be a point of grace in our community, if that's going to happen collectively, it's because we're each choosing to be a point of grace individually. So... How are you doing at responding to the love and grace the Lord has given you by showing love and grace to the people around you? Matter of fact, for just a moment, I'd like you to pause right now and uh, I'm gonna give you a spiritual grade card to think about. So give yourself a grade, A, B, C, D, maybe even F, around this one question. How am I doing at loving other people? Take just a moment. Be honest before the Lord. Maybe you're doing great. Maybe not so great right now. Get that grade in your head. Now, ask the next question. What do I need to do to take that up a notch? Because that's God's call in our lives. To, to continue growing in this relationship that we have. And, and when you name the name of Jesus, when you are God's child... It does change everything. I, I have some kids of my own. 
And on occasion, I remind them that their last name matters because it's about who we are as a family. And, and, and I, I remind them that, that the things they do and the things they say reflect on me because I'm their dad. Reflect their mother's legacy. That's just a small microcosm of what it means to be a child of God. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. Lord, I, I pray that you will help us to reflect your character in your world. That, that we will understand our lives are a response. That you have given yourself for us. That you have invited us into relationship with you. And we are your children. Help us to bear your name well. I pray as we live out our faith in Jesus' name. Amen. So you already heard my son say we're back with the Galleon Grace Point podcast. He's been asking me for a couple weeks now to come on up here and uh, see where it's recorded and everything. And so I uh, let him hop on the mic for a second. So that was my son Brantley welcoming you, welcoming you back to the Galleon Grace Point podcast. Um, so we're still in the Grace Point Identity series, and this week, um, kind of the the subnote of that was why do we do what we do. And I was just telling um, our guest this week, Neil Reinhardt, you know, I don't have a ton to add to this, um, really just because it kind of just summed up who we are as a church. And, you know, Pastor Paul didn't even really, like, bring up the things we do as a collective here at the church. But right at the, at the very bottom, it says, the Lord makes us a point of grace collectively as we each choose to be a point of grace individually. And I just wrote teamwork right there because... The teamwork here at this church just to do certain things for the community and for the kids here and for just the members of the church, period. And it's it's a beautiful thing to see, you know, the, the free oil changes for single mothers, grateful givers, compassion in action. Um, we did the compassion in action on Saturday and did grocery delivery to uh, an area here in Galleon. And honestly, we were almost like overstaffed, for lack of better terms, because we had so many people there. We had the groceries done in minutes, and uh, in my truck alone, it was uh, Nate, Brantley, me, um, Maggie, Annie, and Jason um, all piled in my truck, and we basically had 
with so many people there, we didn't even have enough in each of our arms to deliver to everyone because so many people showed up to help out. And it was awesome to see everybody out there smiling, having a good time, helping out, spreading the word. Um, if you haven't done it before, this was my first time. So we went out, uh, we go to save a lot, meet in the parking lot, go in there. Um, each, each person's kind of assigned, uh, an item they're supposed to get a certain quantity of, you get those, um, hand one of them to Mike or whoever's in charge that day and check out. And we just kind of create like an assembly line there at the bagging station, bag everything up, go outside, load it all up, have a prayer, and then uh, all meet up at wherever we're going and knock on doors, um, bless them with some groceries, give them a connection card for here at the church and just, you know, um, no pressure to them. You know, I heard a lot of people say no pressure, just, uh, you know, wanted to bless you with these groceries and uh, hope you have a wonderful day and hand them a card to give them our information and maybe they'll show up sometime. But um, yeah, just there's a, a ton of things that <clears throat> at this church specifically that we do as a team and worshipers of Christ that it's it's really incredible to watch. I think uh, the only other thing I, I, I would really touch on here is just, and I've mentioned it on multiple podcasts, is you know distractions can be a, a big thing and just keeping the main thing the main thing. You know, he said, um, resist the way of the world, which focuses on pleasure rather than truth, what you want rather than what is right and best and your comfort rather than serving others. Not a great way to live. And, um, once you really invest in your faith and you, you are one with the Lord, you start finding a way to rid yourself of those bad habits and putting others first and showing grace period. So, um, before I get into the interview process, I'm going to toss it over to Neil Reinhardt real quick to see if, uh, Neil, you got anything to add? <laughs> um, first off, thanks for having me on, Zach. I've listened to the podcast. I've enjoyed uh, talking with the people that have been on here, and, and, and I feel like I get to know them a lot better through, you know, the podcast and stuff. So I want to thank you for that. And, and I just think about um, what you were saying there about being busy and, and being caught up. I, I think you can be real busy doing good. Or you can be doing your the, the best thing, whatever the best thing is. So, like, you can be busy all day long doing good things, but what is the best thing? What is what is your most skilled point or whatever it is that, that you are most gifted that the Lord's blessed you with? So I think about that, and I think all of us just need to take some time and think about what we're good at, what are our gifts, what are our talents, um, and then and, and use those um, to, to bless others. And... And I'll have a story probably later on about it, or I can probably tell it now, actually. Yeah, I, absolutely. Go sure. I, I was just thinking, um, I was coming home. It was my first year of teaching over at Madison South. And um, I remember right where I was. I was driving on Millsboro Road, um, just heading into that stop sign there in Ontario that kind of loops down around um, up towards the barbershop. But anyways, <laughs> I was there, and I just remember saying, Lord, what do you want me to do with my life? And I just remember just feeling just use or do what you know do what you like and what you're good at and then i started thinking what is it oh i love to fish i love to hunt i love to do those things love to be outdoors and so through that i think that's where i've kind of found my ministry and and uh, just think of the people that i've that i've met along the way because of those things and um, the great story about my uncle kenny um he we were coming back from the deer and turkey expo and we were driving back from Columbus, and, you know, he started talking, and, and he had been stern for a while about, and he had not given his heart to the Lord and been praying for him for a while. And, you know, we'd, you know, it was actually my stepmom's 
brother, which is kind of neat because he's not even, you know, blood or anything like that. But um, it, we just got to talking, and, and I just talked to him about the Apostle Paul and how he had persecuted Christians and how he'd even killed them and, and how the Lord used him. And, and there were other people along the way in his life. And, and then I remember when he called me and said he was getting baptized and gave his heart to the Lord and used the rest of his life, which unfortunately he passed away uh, of cancer. Um, uh, he probably had eight or nine years after he'd given his heart to the Lord and, and passed away. But um, what he did in those eight or nine years, uh, you know, involved with Vacation Bible School at Impact Worship, um, actually did small group with Chris Radio um, and her husband, Chris. Um, and so they knew my Uncle Kenny. And uh, just makes me think about people in your life, which you and I were talking about before this even turned on, about um, people in your life that are there and they may help fill a gap from somebody who was supposed to be there, whether it was a mom or a dad or a grandparent or uh, somebody, and then somebody comes along and kind of does that for you. And so I just I was talking with uh, Nate and Kim Lovely just the other day here at church, and, and uh, you know, Kim, she totally agreed with that, and I know she has a great story too, and just how people just put you there in the right place at the right time, it seems like. You know, if as long as you don't focus on what you don't have, whether it's a mom or a dad or a grandparent or a brother or sister, but you have these other people that are, you know, filling you up with, with uh, what you need, I, I think that's important. I, th I think about a quote the other day. I, um, I wrote it down for my kids, and it says, Satan will always want you to look at what you don't have, not at what you do have. So hopefully they look at that once in a while, cause it, and that's good for all of us. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it kind of, as you were talking about that, just like people showing up in your life at the right time, the right moment, you know, right when you need it the most, it, you know, there's this song, uh, an old song by Eric Church called Those, uh, those I've Loved. And he kind of talks about just, I wouldn't have made it this far on my own with the, those I've loved along the way. Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> just in friendships here at the church, you know, all you guys uh, definitely wouldn't be where I'm at right now without having the friendships I've made here and um, just the community here at church period it's it's been a such a blessing and it's it's awesome to see everyone doing the right thing and keeping just back to the sermon notes the main thing the main thing like we all have a common goal in mind that we're we're trying to achieve you know we, we've got this time together here on earth right now but we've got an ultimate goal in mind to spend uh eternity in uh, god's kingdom together and without the right people it's it's hard to get there you know you you can surround yourself with a lot of things and you know you kind of hear it on the radio when you're listening to like Caleb or something they talk about you know the 30-day challenge or or whatever and uh it's true because if you you're listening to something positive and encouraging and not something that's bringing you down focusing on all the negatives in the world then you're naturally going to be more inclined to be more positive and uplifting and I've noticed that just in shows that I've listened to or shows I've watched period just keeping your mindset right keeping uh, the main thing the main thing and keeping your eyes on your ultimate goal but uh, yeah, so um, I guess we'll start asking you, uh, you know, we had Jeannie on a few episodes ago, and so we've got a lot of uh, Neil's story, but we'll hear it from his point of view, kind of uh, even his years before he met Jeannie and whatnot. So let's, uh, let's hear a little bit about you, Neil, in your early years. <laughs> okay, so uh, I grew up over in Madison, um, one of four children, I'm number two. We're all about two years apart. I have an older sister, a younger brother, and then a younger sister. Fortunate to have my 
uh, younger sister just lived right here in Gallion with her family. Um, and so thankful for that. Um, <laughs> the tale of two sets of grandparents. I had uh, just a great opportunity to have two sets of grandparents growing up where one, we knew exactly where we were going to be on Sunday morning, Sunday evening, and Wednesday. We were going to be at the Church of Christ on Steele Avenue over in Ashland. And uh, then my, that was my grandma and grandpa Shriver, my mom's mom and dad. And then my dad's mom and dad, um, we never knew where we were going to go to church at. I mean, it could have been an assemblies. It could have been Jubilee. It could have been, oh, it, it just, it, it could have been a Baptist church. could have been a Lutheran church. Because we, I just, it, or it could be on TV. We'd, we'd listen to, uh, I grew up watching Benny Hinn and, and these guys on the 700 Club. And my grandma would watch TBN and, and stuff. And so we had a good, uh, good sampling of, of a lot of <laughs> good opportunities, that's yeah. for sure. <laughs> yeah. So um, let's see what else. My my parents uh, they they got divorced when I was in about third grade, and then we moved. Uh, me and my siblings we moved with my mom to uh, from Madison to Mansfield City Schools, and then uh, spent um, oh up till about through ninth grade there, and then um, my dad got custody of us. He remarried, and my dad and stepmom we moved with them to Ontario. And, uh, you know, looking back, that's one of those times where, you know, I really think the Lord stepped in and, and just gave us a great opportunity to get a, a, a wonderful education in Ontario and uh, had teachers that really, and, and I had great teachers at Mansfield Senior High. I, I did. It just, sometimes it was just rough to really get a good understanding of things. But, um, it, you know, I, my siblings and I, my younger siblings and I, we got a great education and pushed us to to go to college, and uh, I, I really think that's made all the difference for that. But uh, then I went to college, went to Ohio State. Um, well, when I was in high school, played sports and stuff. I played football, wrestled, and played baseball. And uh, we were state champs in 94. That was a great year. I was a sophomore. I got a chance to play a little bit. Not a lot, but uh, did get to play a little bit on varsity. But what's funny about that is that we didn't even win the league. We, uh, we lost to Crestline, and Crestline was an outstanding team, and they had – you know, tradition of great baseball. And they had these two pitchers, uh, Mike Fisher and Sean Ronk. And those guys could just, I mean, they were, and we couldn't beat them. And we were 0-2 in the league, finished second in the league. Um, and they were in the state championship. I think it was Division Four. We were Division Three, And unfortunately, they lost, but we won. And it was just uh, great memories of that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> so um, then went to college, uh, went into education program, uh, helped. I coached some sports in Ontario with um, my wrestling coach, Jeff Schwall, and then Scott Valentine in football. And, uh, you know, Jeff Schwall is one of those people that um, – it's one of those people kind of as a mentor, somebody who is not a, a family blood relative or anything like that. It's just somebody that you just kind of maybe like Coach Tegelvick that you talk about a little right, bit yeah. and stuff. And and uh, just somebody that – I just talked to him the other day and uh, – just keeping in touch with him, and he actually got me on to Tony Evans. I, I listened to him, and uh, he's a pastor out of Texas, um, Dallas, and uh, he used to be the the pastor for the Dallas Cowboys, I think, and the Mavericks, and some other things. That's Priscilla Shire's father, but uh, him and, and Dr. Charles Stanley, I listened to them a lot, um, and of course, Pastor Paul, yeah. <laughs> can't, can't let him out. Yeah, but, don't uh, leave him in there. Yeah, Paul, and uh, yeah, I think about Paul and Cheryl, I just... Um, I'm just so thankful for the time that we got to spend together. And, uh, you know, when we first moved into our our one house, they come over, and we'd been going to church there for, oh, 
probably three or four years anyways. And what's funny is that Paul and Cheryl were actually at our wedding, but Jeannie had been coming to church here with Wendy before that, and I didn't even know him. And I think I came here once or twice to Grace Point and, um, when we were dating and uh, met Wendy and, and stuff. But then they were actually at our wedding and so had a chance to meet them for the one of the first times there. And then um, when we got, moved into that house, Paul came over and helped me paint and you know, Cheryl was there and, and just helping out wherever. And, and then, you know, about a year later, the roof leaked. We tore the whole roof off and Paul come over and, and, um, Paul and Dale White and Bob Cass and Kirk Pinyard and Norm Meese and, and, um, Josh Riggle and all these guys that, you know, are here at church and, you know, talk about having a servant's heart. I mean, they just all showed up and, <coughs> excuse me, um, just were eager to help. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it makes me think about when, um, Paul and Cheryl, they had some work done at their house. We did a roof and stuff. There's a bunch of us guys there. And, you know, and, and at the end there, Cheryl, she just, you know, she thanked us and, and uh, wanted to give us, you know, a gift and stuff. And we were like, no, no. And she's like, I don't think you understand. She goes, when we were first married, things were tough. And she goes, people were there for us. And, you know, she kind of got choked up. And it was just kind of, you know, kind of emotional thinking about it. But um, just thinking about Paul and Cheryl and the example that they lead and, and um, my mother and father-in-law, Jeff and Karen Flowers, they uh very similar in that, just having a servant's heart, always just um, just eager to help and, and, and just always kind and calm and just stuff that I wasn't maybe as used to growing up. And yeah. so it was like, it was like you had this, this piece of steel that had like a lot of burrs on it and you just kind of run it through the sander a little bit and get it, uh, you know, get those burrs off and get it polished up a little bit. So that's kind of what I think about when, when I meet those people and spend time with those people and just look back in the last, well, Jeannie and I have been married, what, 23 years now. So um, just looking back on those things. And, you know, my siblings, too, they all know the Lord, and, and you know, they attend churches where they live, and, you know, the, their kids know the Lord. And, and so I'm just so thankful for, for that and, you know, yeah, I mean, yeah. that's an excellent blessing. It's just having a family that is all on the same page and is all are all followers of Christ. And, you know, like I was telling you earlier, just being able to have those meaningful conversations and be able to talk about Scripture and just those type of things with your family as, composed, as compared to things that, you know, ultimately are not important for the most part. Right, and, uh, right. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Yeah. But so take take me back. You know, you said you started coming here a few times when you guys first started dating. So mm -hmm. you know, obviously, like I said, we've we've got Jeannie's uh, um, story on here and, and everything. So let's let's hear. You know, when you first stepped foot in here, and really, like when you decided this was going to be the place you were going to stay. Well, um, you know, Jeannie's sister Wendy had been bringing her boys here, and so they were just young at the time, and so she, Jeannie had been working over at. Um, the United Methodist Church in Ontario uh, with Pastor Jim Winkler and uh, Pam Daly. She was a good friend of hers, and um, unfortunately, she passed away from cancer. It's just like, man, cancer. But, uh, you know, it was just a, just a great mentor for Jeannie, Ron, and Pam Daly, and, and their family. I played football with their son, Todd, over at uh, over in Ontario. But um, we were dating, and then um, we went to school together. We met over at Ohio State, and and got engaged and and so she was still working there for maybe a year or two and then we just kind of kept feeling like 
we needed to be here. And so we started coming to um, small group. And uh, I just remember we'd have these small group meetings with um, the, the, the pullout things that are down there. We had those. Those are those things. I don't know how old they are, but they're the dividers. They look like accordion oh, dividers. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, they're great. And we'd have all kinds of small groups going. And um, Pat and Gordon and they're, they're just great. Pat, she would write letters and cards, and we'd get notes of encouragement. And Gord, we'd talk football and fishing. And, and uh, Del Ehrman, he they were good buddies. And uh, I'd hear fishing stories from them. And uh, just being around like-minded people and doing things together. I think about when I had some leaks at my house, and Kirk Pinier come over. And I didn't know Kirk really well, but um, he's a pipe fitter and stuff. And he come over and helped me, and we talked fishing and hunting and just um i don't know it just it just fit and then you know i got to meet more people and <coughs> excuse me um tom hall i um he was one of our leaders tom and um oh i gotta think of his wife's name uh, i can't think right now but uh, i actually saw him um, um at cheryl's funeral i got to see him and talk to them they live in kentucky now but and they're doing great and um his parents were uh, Marion and Millie Hall, which Paul refers to sometimes in some of his sermons as um, him and Jim Bright and Gordon and, and and all those guys in the stories. They were kind of like the the pillars here for for this church. And so I know Paul leaned on them a little bit and had some good roofing stories about those guys too. But oh, that was something else we would do a lot. Uh, we'd do roofing projects in the summertime and, and uh, just just getting plugged in and even the thing that got me is that people would show up and they they didn't know much about it but they were willing to serve and be there and uh, just like pastor paul says it you know it's not your ability it's your availability to yeah. give your start to get to give yourself and to just do that i, I the lord's going to just take whatever it is and, and just go with it he just needs you to be in 100 percent and so when we have those fears and things that that anxiety it's like well i don't know how to do it. i can't don't worry about that you know just go just go and the lord's going to take care of it but it, it takes a big step and a lot of people it's it's difficult but you just got to push through it <laughs> yeah you just got to kind of throw yourself out there um it was funny because nate and i were talking on saturday when we were doing the grocery thing and um we had passed uh uh, the, the last name's escaping me, but the the house you were there too that we moved uh, those people into out on Fairview and uh, so, oh yeah Chuck and Donna yeah yes, Sipes yes, yeah yes, Chuck and Donna that's Sipes, it yeah yep. yeah so we were passing there I was like oh we moved them back there's like yep I was there I didn't even really know him at the time and I was like oh okay well you know it's just funny how now you know Nate was there yeah I'm trying to think when so and there i think there might have been different shifts but there was one time where there was like eight of us and we moved them from um i think they were on liberty over to fairview or something and we all got log jammed there and i remember you yep. being there yep. but see i didn't know you that well then because was that i don't even remember when that was i know was it that? was in like february because the follow i know it was in february because we were going on vacation the following week and so that was like my last day of work leading into it but it was it was super wet out kind of like it is now and we were all moving that stuff i know what you're talking about we were all moving in did you bring you brought a box <laughs> truck didn't you yeah yeah, yeah i think it's my father-in-law's box truck and and uh we had that thing just packed up and all the kids the youth group and and all those kids came and and uh, that's another thing you know we get um with Jeannie and i well mostly Jeannie, but uh scott tenermeyer was um doing the youth group and stuff and we helped out there and then um um, I, Paul had talked to Jeannie about 
um, taken over that. I think Scott was pursuing some other things. And so um, Ben was going to be born in September of 05, and we took over. Um, Jeannie did, of course, she does the lion's share, but, um, you know, took over that, about that fall into Christmas and then 05, 06, and has been there ever since with the youth group and in, um, you know, different areas here at church. And that's where Jeannie's at now is, you know, full-time working here and, uh, you know, working with family ministries and just women's things and stuff. And, you know, I, I'm trying to think. I don't think I knew you specifically then I may have talked to you. I, I, yeah, I think well, that's where I was going. It's like I didn't really know you well. I didn't know Nate real well. And, I, you know, I didn't even know he was there at that point until we were talking about this weekend. But, you know, that was really like my first thing that I really did here was just like I got okay. a text. I think Pastor Paul had seen my truck out there a time or two and was like, need some guys with trucks uh, to come help. And I'm like, all right, I'm in. But I'm there. And I knew like I know at that time I knew Josh and I knew Matt Walter. Those were the two people yeah. I knew. I knew nobody else's names. And now I pretty much know all of them. But I yeah, I just kind of it's a good example. They're just, you know, jumping in and being like, all right, I'm here. Don't know you. But uh, yeah, sure, I'll do it. And, you know, kind of the same thing on a little bit lighter of a scale with the, the fishing charter, like. You know, I I had known you pretty decently by then, and you know, Nate had I had talked to him here, and then Jason <clears throat> talked to them out there. But yeah, just kind of jumping in, and then you know, almost like getting your feet wet. <laughs> you know, is kind of the best analogy to to put it is yeah, get, getting in and uh, and trying it out, and it's been a blessing ever since. <laughs> yeah, I, I tell you what, the uh, the the walleye charter is a great opportunity for for guys to just get together and connect and and maybe share some stories and, and share a common interest. And, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be fishing. It could be camping. Some guys, you know, they, they don't go on the, on the right. charter for whatever reason, and they just like to be up there. And some guys just stay up for the day. And, and uh, you know, some guys, they, they just camp, and then they just go home or whatever. And, right. and you know, we've been doing that for, well, I tell you what. Uh, so I was just about to ask you, when did yeah. that get started and kind of how <laughs> did it get started? Yeah, it's kind of weird. It's how the Lord works and stuff, but uh, Kirk Pinyard and I, I remember we, uh, this is back 2007 or so, and uh, we went up on a walleye charter, just he and I walk on, and uh, we got to talking, and, and we didn't really necessarily care for, <laughs> it wasn't, it was just the, the color of the, the, the color commentary that we had on the boat, and, and the, from the first mate, and some of the folks, and Kirk and I, we got to talking, and we were like, man, what if we had, I was like, what, how many guys would want to go on a boat? And come up here, and it's, we just have the whole boat. Yeah. And so that's when it started back in 07. Okay. And uh, so that's when it started really getting going, Kirk and I talking about it. Well, we knew Dale White would be in, and, and by then I knew Bob Cass because we were down in uh, Gulfport after Hurricane Katrina. I kind of met Bob then, um, and that's been great ever since. We just went ice fishing the other day, and geez, I think we caught like 72 bluegills, had so much fun. Jeez. And, and uh, Bob's been Bob's been like a dad to me. Same with Dale. Uh, same with Pastor Paul. And, 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 you know, you start thinking about all these people that you know, and, and what do you talk about? You talk about things you like to do, and, uh, and a, lot of, a lot of them like to fish. Right. And so then uh, we've been doing it since then. And, and there was a year or two we were off because of COVID. Um, they, they went from like, like $45 a seat to like $75 to walk on. And so we were able to lower that rate by just getting the whole boat and then kind of dividing that up and we've had i think they say 
25 to 26 people. I think the one time we had 36 oh, and geez. the guys just kept coming and we had so <laughs> much fun. And I just, uh, Nate and Mike and Jason, we were sharing stories the other day about, uh, <laughs> just some of the people that have been on there that have come and gone and some people that have passed away. I think, uh, uh, George Boyle. And I, man, I don't know if I got a picture of him or not, George, he was great. And Del Lerman coming up with Don, Don, uh, Barb brought Del up and, and, uh, Oh, just some of the big fish we caught too. Like we weren't out there maybe five minutes and Jim Tanner, I just talked to him today and was telling him about the, the charter that we have planned. I'll talk more about that. But uh, he set the hook on one and, and I thought he had a big sheephead or catfish and it was over a 10 pound walleye and got the net it for him. And this thing was a monster. And, and then uh, uh, Matt White, he caught a one over 10 pounds and Lucas Connor caught one over 10 pounds. And then last year, Sebastian um, yep. White, which is Dale White's grandson, it's Matt's son. He caught, I think, the biggest one on the AM did, charter. Yep, yep. So, yeah. And uh, we've got all that planned and organized. Um, Jan up at Sassy South, he sent me the contract. We've got an AM and PM charter. Uh, the rates went up a little bit. But um, we've got East Harbor State Park group camping, um, which we, we love doing up there. Um, that's going to be $20 a person if they just want to camp. Um, and then it's going to be $65 a person uh, if they want to do the walleye charter, and then the camping would be included in right, that. Right. But then they can choose. It'll be a sign-up this coming Sunday. But, um, you know, there'll be the AM or PM charter, and um, that, that's how much it's grown. We used to just do one charter. And, um, and like you said, walk on too. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so. yeah. And uh, we're we're to two boats now. And, and last year we we did really good. We were catching some good fish, and a storm blew in and right. kind of knocked the PM charter off about an hour or so. But uh, it was good because it was it got a little scary there. But um, now you you just you get a chance to get on a boat with some people that maybe you don't know that well. Right. You know, and I didn't know you that well. I mean, I kind of knew you, but I, I, your shoes is what got me. I saw your shoes. I remember sitting right there and I looked at your shoes and go, oh, you got hokas. And I, <laughs> yeah. I'd been looking at those. Yep. And he said you were a letter carrier and stuff and different things. And, uh, and, and I was just glad that you were there. You yep. know, I was glad that you, you, you know, you didn't use the excuse, well, I don't know anybody or right. I don't know. You know, it's like, no, you went out and you did something that maybe, I first, I think for some people, maybe not you, kind of outgoing, but like some people, are like oh, I don't know if I should. It's like, just do Try it, it just do it. Yep. You know, whatever it is. Yep. You know, and it's like we'll have maintenance jobs here and stuff where we're always tearing some up or doing, and guys will show up and be like, well, I don't know how to drywall, but I'll try. It's like that's what you want. Right. Exactly. You know? yeah. yeah, that's what you want. And I mean, obviously, we all have gifts, but man, just just <laughs> so you think. I think about what my dad used to say. He's like. You know, if you make a mistake, at least make it hustling. Right. You know, yeah. my dad would always say that, and uh, and it was mostly baseball because we grew up over in Madison, and that's all we did was play baseball. It's yeah. just, yep. man, baseball, baseball, baseball. And uh, he was a great coach and and stuff. But uh, yeah, so I think I think I covered the walleye charter. I hope there'll be a sign up sheet uh, next. Well, this coming Sunday. Yeah, this coming Sunday. And, uh, uh, and out stuff, there. but. And, uh, uh, Oh, yeah. we, I don't think we said the date, so June 8th and 9th, right? Okay, so June 8th, that's a Saturday. Um, we're going to go up and get situated, but I think a couple guys are going to go up um, the day before, maybe the day, two days before, but um, I think maybe you're talking about going up and Nate yep. and uh, maybe Mike and Jason and maybe a couple other folks are going to go up, but I think you guys are going to maybe camp in the RV section or something. something. Yeah, I think we're going to go yeah. up a little early. I was off that week, you know, uh, by chance, and when mm -hmm. uh, Neil sent out the text, I'm like, I'm off if anybody wants to go up a little bit early, but... It's a blast. Um, I've texted a couple people. You know, uh, 
I know Matt, he said that he hasn't been able to go over these past few years because um, of his old job, you know, working at the prison and stuff. But I texted him as soon as you let me know about the dates. And he was like, all right, I'm off weekends now. So I'm in. I'm going to keep that clear. I know he's excited about it. And is that it really Triano? is. Yeah. Matt Triano? Yep. Hey, okay. I, I met him uh, a couple months ago. And I haven't really got to talk with him much but again that's just a common starting point and get him going and he's yeah same thing i mean just with that podcast too like outdoor guy like he's gonna he's gonna fit right in and you don't even have to be an outdoor guy like you said there's plenty of guys that come up and just hang out around the campsite and don't go on the boat don't go on the charter just they it's it's a really fun experience and it's you know not even at least from my point of view last year it's not even like it's a scheduled you know kind of uh we've got this itinerary i guess thing like we're just kind of all hanging out you know last year we uh we watched the uh the video that tony put together Mm -hmm. of like the uh the law and order uh (laughs) recreation (laughs) thing and then uh just tying up some lures and hanging out it's it's a great time especially like you know us adults are doing stuff and don't get me wrong you know we're talking to the kids and stuff but the kids are kind of you know over there doing their own thing and hanging out and like just seeing them all together smiling and being outdoors is, is really cool. You know, I remember I'd mentioned to him like, yeah, my, my son really likes fishing. And you were like, well, why didn't you bring him? And I was like, well, I didn't know. Yeah, <laughs> so. that's okay. And uh, we want it to be kind of, you know, where you bring your, your children to. And, and uh, we just had this conversation the other day about, you know, some people were like, well, what about my daughter? And, and I got to thinking about it. It's like, no, they, they should be able to, you know, and so we have, you know, put that out there. So if you have a daughter that, you know, it, you know, they want to spend time with you and, and they enjoy doing that stuff and, you know, they're more than welcome too. So just love to have them all and, and uh, we'll have Frisbees and wiffle balls and footballs and have a campfire going and have a fish fry again. We yep. had that last year, uh, yep. you know, Nate and Mike and Jason, they did a great job and everybody else that helped out. Uh, Matt Pauzy, he was, he was there helping out too. And, uh, <laughs> Bobby was telling me on the ice the other day. He goes, "Well, you come up a little short with some of the food there." And then he goes, <laughs> the, "The time before that, he goes, we had onion rings and tater tots and jalapeno poppers." I was like, "Well, sorry, Bob." <laughs> yeah, you've been to the grocery store lately, man. It's getting a little pricey. <laughs> he, he, you know, I, that, that's good for Bob to bust my chops. So we'll we'll make it a little a little bit better this time. I think we had uh, cowboy beans or baked beans, and then. Uh, yeah, we had uh, the fish fry and yep. uh, just. I think we did just, some burgers. We we did. We yeah. broke out the broke out the deer meat and yep. uh, made burgers and uh, I think the morning it was like pop tarts and donuts and just you know kind of grab what you can and absolutely stuff and just uh, I think most everybody caught fish but again it's if you're going there to catch fish and you might be disappointed right right if it wasn't for sheephead for some of those years we've been in big trouble right we yeah. had, uh, sheephead are always eager and. Uh, yeah, they're they're a lot of fun. I, I hope some of those kids latch onto. Oh, I think oh, they man, will. Six, seven pounder, eight pounder, it'd be great. Oh yeah, it'll be awesome, and they're gonna love it. I mean, I know how excited Brantley is, you know, himself for it, just pumped to go. You know, he loves doing that type of stuff. Me and him, anyways. But mm-hmm. having the group together and the group from church, and you know, then he gets to you know rag on Nate about being a Michigan fan and that oh, type geez. of stuff. That's Get one of that his good favorite activities. Going back so, <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, but another thing where like. Uh, it's kind of in its like infancy uh, stage right now that we're kind of discussing between uh, Neil and uh, myself and Nate and Jay and Mike um, is, you know, I've never been a part of it before, but um, we're talking about doing a, a rebirth of the big game night that they used to have here. And, uh, you know, we were kind of talking about doing a fundraiser for one of my wife's students that has cancer and, uh, 
you know, kind of tossed around some different ideas, a movie night, spaghetti dinner. And then Neil was like, what about we bring the big game nights back? So, um, I haven't been a part of one, so maybe you can kind of give me uh, an idea of what all that entails. Um, obviously, we don't have you know an exact date figured out yet. We still gotta still gotta look at that, but uh, kind of what all what all goes on with that? Yeah, I, I tell you what, that for about three years there, I mean, it was just, I mean, every year was great, but I think, I think that second year, I mean, we had tables rolled out into the other other entrance and next we had chairs we were going up and getting little kids chairs from up at the church mm-hmm. i mean it was packed and we had these uh speakers uh, mark and dan witt and they shared their story and it was um showcased in field and stream in 2011 um and then they bought the rights to that story and that has been their mission ever since and so mark and dan witt they go all over they go to wild game dinners they go to expos and they hand out tracks and um you know, basically, it's like they talk about their dad. They they lived in Pennsylvania. Um, this is before uh, Blaze Orange was a, a law, and their dad had a oh he had a hat, but I think it had like rabbit fur around it. And he was like near a pine tree, and and then there was um, he was accidentally mistaken for you know a deer or whatever, and and, and was killed. And and they were just I want to say twelve and ten or something like that. And, and that has just shaped the rest of their life. Right. And, and they've made it their mission from here on out to, to, to reach as many people as they can. And, and, uh, you know, you just think of the opportunities that you have here and with the wild game night, you know, we'll have a speaker and we'll, we'll do, you know, it's not going to be all like raccoon stew and stuff, although we may have that, but though the spaghetti and meatballs, maybe Nate's meatballs, we could bribe him to make those (laughs) and, uh, see if, uh, Mike can make some, some good stuff, but, uh, you know, just regular food too, but, uh, they'll definitely be, um, I'm sure my father-in-law will make deer chili if I if I ask him, and uh, I'll bribe him with some Ned rigs or something, some fishing lures there or go. something, and uh, it's, it'll be great. And we'll make it at the fundraiser for uh, for your wife's um, students and stuff yeah. over there at Madison. You know, so you know she works over at Madison South, and that has a special place in my heart because that's where I went to school and and uh, and stuff. A lot of good memories there. I went to school there, and then I was my first teaching job, yeah. so it's kind of neat going back there. And now that you know, your wife's there. That's that's pretty neat. Yeah, so. it's kind of fun when you guys are like, "Is so and so still there?" And she's like, "No." Well, that one is. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. been like twenty years now, so uh, that's been a long time. Yeah, but but, uh, uh, but there's uh, some different like stations and stuff set up too, right? Because there's still like the archery targets and oh, stuff yeah. up there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, so we have the National Archery in the Schools program um, here at Guyan City Schools, and uh, we've kind of shied away from that a little bit. But uh, and again, it's it's. It's based on your, your – you can't do anything by yourself, and you got to have a good base of people. And we've always had that here. Um, it's just that we kind of just went away from it, and it just – you know, you can only do so many things in a year, and you just – you know, as the direction permits. But, uh, you know, a lot of great volunteers will do some station. We'll have archery. We'll have a casting corner. Um, I think Dale brought in, Dale and Bob, they brought in, like, a flat-bottom boat once, and they could, like, cast out of it and okay. into buckets and uh, – um, what else did we have? That's not a bad um, idea. Honestly. Yeah, a lot of guys. A lot of guys brought, um, and, and I'd ask them, uh, Troy Faust and and Bob and and uh, those guys to bring their deer mounts. I mean, just beautiful, yeah. just beautiful deer. And uh, Matt White's uh, big walleye and Lucas Connor's big walleye and some other mounts. And we put those all over in the corner. And we we try to get gifts and things. We have some sponsors. I know um, Justin McMullen, him, um, him and his brother Jason, uh, Crossroads Candles. They've always um, just kind of supplied the, 
you know, all the gifts for the kids and things, yeah. tackle boxes, lures, right. rods and reels. Uh, kind of shy, shy away from the guns and the knives. But, <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, not yet, kids. <laughs> not yet. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, somebody can have a great idea, but you got to have the people. Yeah. That that you know the, the ones that they're just servants and, yep. and you know they right don't they don't do it for that, yeah right you know right there at the end of the the sermon notes from this week the like i said earlier the lord makes us a point of grace collectively as we choose to be a point of grace individually and just the teamwork all together it's great you know you, you can't do it alone so when you get all those different ideas and different concepts from people you know you can put something pretty awesome together oh yeah for sure and, and i think you know depending on if we're still looking at uh, on the calendar a certain date or a time frame i think maybe after the winter sports season as we're easing into spring i, yeah. I don't know yet but you know it's something that if it doesn't happen this year we will make it happen yep. it's just we just got to get everything lined up like we did before and and um got the ball rolling at least well yeah so i mean we're talking about it and uh, you know we're, we're planning and and you know, we don't just want to go in haphazard, but, you know, you do this enough, you, you realize you need a lot of people with a servant's heart. And, right. and it's like they don't do it for any other reason than to to just do what they feel they're supposed to do. Absolutely. Just have a servant's heart. Yep. So. Get together, and it, it'll be a great time. I'm looking forward to it. Like I said, I haven't been a part of one in, in, in the past here, but uh, <laughs> it sounds awesome, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. But uh, kind of still touching on that, you know, the why do we serve and i know that you've went on um a few i don't know how many exactly but kind of i wanted to ask you a how many and just kind of to share some of your experiences on the mission trips that you've went on oh okay um so um my son ben my oldest child and his good friend steven um, when they were in fourth grade, they read a newspaper, or it was a weekly reader, and it was about the water crisis in Flint. Okay. And uh, so they they got together, and I mean, they went door to door, business to business. And there's a picture of them sitting right down there um, where Pastor Paul preaches, kind of off to the side. Okay. And I mean, I don't even know how many cases of water, gallons of water. And they, they brought in all this water, just these two boys, and some encouragement from their family members, and uh, uh Galleon Intermediate School was a drop-off point, too. So there were a lot of people at school. I mean, they filled that stage up. And I, I have a, the, the newspaper article of these two boys. And we drove a box truck up to Flint with um, Mike and Cindy Glue. And um, they they attend here, and their, their children come here, too. And uh, a lot of other people. The Riggles were with us, uh, Paul and Cheryl. Man, i got to try and think who all. Man, it was so long ago. Um, but we drove all the way up to Flint, and, and we had a, a point person at this church, and we distributed water, and they got to meet the mayor, and uh, it was it was just so neat. And <laughs> oh yeah, it was uh, Joe and Lisa Perry were there too. I remember that, and uh, their daughter Hannah, and uh, man, who else? I don't know, but uh, we we just had a great time. But anyways, back to the the story. Um, Yep, there we go. All right, we're back. Sorry, technical difficulty. <laughs> okay, so um, so through that, uh, Mike and and Cindy, they, you know, they attended church here and brought their children and and I remember Mike saying, I signed up for this Honduras trip. I said, Are you interested? This was in 2016, and I said, No, I'm not going to Honduras. <laughs> I go, I'm, I know, <laughs> and he goes, Well, I signed up, and uh, so I got to thinking about it, 
and uh, was praying about it a little bit. And uh, I tell you that that has really changed my life. That that decision and and Mike doing that and uh, going with him down to Honduras, meeting Pastor Brent and meeting Pastor Juan, who's kind of our point person down there, and serving in his church and and helping build and and spending time with my sister-in-law Wendy and brother-in-law Glenn and uh, all the people that were on that first trip um, <laughs> from the airport to the drive to to Olanchito is supposed to be like six and a half hours it ended up being maybe eight or nine and uh, and that was that was a rough trip but uh, you know we got there and got going and, and have made lifelong friends have been down there four times altogether um, well, the last time we went was in August of this last year, and it was great because the pastor at this church, his brother, was the pastor at the church we were at the time before that, oh, just okay. like a mountain, a mountain or two over, and uh, so that was neat. But uh, all the people you meet along the way, and and you know you you think you have problems, and then you do something like that, and you go serve, and you go see people who have you know, they don't, don't have anything and, and the joy on their face and just to, to be in church and to be excited for the Lord and just to, to give of what they have. I mean, and, and then to speak Spanish too, that's, that's been fun. But, uh, <laughs> I think I've been proposed or gotten married twice down there oh, almost nice. on awesome. accident, <laughs> but, uh, no, it's, it's been, it's been great. And pastor Juan and, and, um, you know, raised all that money for that truck for yeah. him a couple years ago and just blew that out of the water, all the people here at church, and they just had that grateful giving day, and, and they gave and gave and gave, and just, man, all the building projects, we've built like four churches down there, took the youth group down uh, back in 17, that was in July of 17, and uh, had a great time with that. Uh, um, I remember um, Amanda Ratcliffe went on that, Lynn Faust, Josh and Amanda Riggle, um, I don't want to leave anybody out. Tracy Oswald, Jeannie and I, uh, Jason and Lee Sensminger, and about 12 or 14 kids. And uh, I think they, I mean, the things that I saw those kids, I mean, they had bought clothes and things for this trip. Yeah. And they left it all down. I'm talking new Under Armour backpacks, right. shoes, clothes, all this stuff. And they just left it all there. Yeah. And it, to me, it was like, yeah, they get it. They get it. They yeah. get it. Yeah. They, and they see it. And uh, so we're talking about going down. Um, I don't know, maybe in July, uh, working a vacation Bible school with um, somebody I met down there. His name's Julio, and he has a church that um, they have a feeding program where they take these kids out of these garbage dumps that are rooting around for food from like restaurants and places that dump it, and they take them and they feed them, they clothe them, and so we're talking about doing a vacation Bible school not too far from Hotel Beverly, which is where we stay at, um, and then. Um, doing another vacation Bible school with uh, Pastor Juan in uh, his church. So probably have two teams and kind of serve and, and do that. And pretty excited. I was talking to Julio the other day about that, and he's he's excited. And Pastor Juan, he's always excited. Hopefully, you know, Pastor Brent can go with us. And, and um, you know, I don't know who all, you know, and, and the Lord takes care of those details. You know, all, all you can do is like what Bill Hybel says, uh, you know, Bill Hybel says, all you got to do is ask people and let them decide. You got to give them, you got to, don't, don't decide for people. Don't say, ah, they won't go there. You just ask people, right? you right. know, and, and let them decide. Maybe just like how Mike asked me, it's like, I'm not going. He's like, really? You're not going to go? I'm like, no. And then the more I got to thinking about it, it really has changed my life. I, I think Mike knows that, how, how I feel about it and the time we spent together down there. 
So it was, it was a good time. Well, so. that's awesome. You know, you, you felt that calling and, you know, followed through on it. And uh, clearly it has, you know, really affected your life. I mean, you know, you didn't just go once and be like, nah, I'm not going back. You know, you felt uh, you felt the purpose of you being there. And so is it kind of different? You know, you said this year you're going to be kind of putting on two, like, uh, Bible schools there. So, like, you know, do you not always go and build something? Or is it just kind of different duties? You yeah, know, each time? I, I think I think this time. Uh, since we're going to have like, you know, youth and stuff, I think we'll be doing more like relational stuff, okay. which we've always done in, in that culture is, is really about relationships and yeah. things. And they really don't have a time schedule, which for us, when I say us, I mean, probably like Americans that are always just, you know, always looking at their watch, always right. getting this done, getting this done, knocking this off. And, and sometimes it could be frustrating down there when you're just waiting on you just hurry up and wait, and it's like we're waiting on this, then we're waiting on that. Now we can get going and working, but it's if you take the time and laugh and, and be a little silly while you're doing it. But it's usually a construction job. It's usually, you know, and the kids did great back in 17 to help build a chicken coop and, and do a lot of different things. So they're, they're not afraid of working, and, uh, you know, they, they weren't afraid. Yeah. Um, but I think this one's going to be more working with children, maybe – um, do like a clothing and, and food drive. I, I don't know. There's a couple of different things I'm thinking about, but uh, take school supplies down, um, you know, um, hygiene kits and things like that for the kids and the families and, and stuff. But uh, it, it's going to be great. And, and I'm just going to start praying about that and who's going to be a part of that team and, um, and stuff. And, and we've got a pretty good youth group. I think we've got some eager, eager kids that'll, that'll want to go. So we'll just have to see what happens with that but i i think just like just like with the wild game dinner just like with with this or any other endeavor it's like you got to have a good support system and like yeah i i i go but like genie and the kids you know my family they're they're with me they support me they encourage me you know they you know I, it's nothing that i do by myself they they make it easy for me to be able to do those things right you know so and that's just them following the lord too and you know having having a house you know that that follows the lord right so yeah yeah kind of goes back to the conversation we were having you know before we hit record sometimes i, I i've almost got to just hit record as i'm you know having banter back and <laughs> forth because last week scott and i sat here for probably dang near a half hour and i'm like oh man like, i wish i would have recorded that and then same thing <laughs> earlier it's just you know having having the relationship and the family unit at home that's all keeping the main thing the main thing and being able to have those discussions and, you know, having the support system, like you just said at home for, you can do those things. And, you know, we had Natalie on, you know, earlier in the kind of the beginning of this podcast. And I talked to her about the mission trip because this was her first one. And, you know, she said, she's not, not someone that likes to fly, like definitely not her element. So I, you know, I kind of had her kind of give her way to describe it to someone that's kind of on the fence about coming or not. So I guess I kind of do the same thing to you. Like if there's someone out there that's like, you know, has got the intention, but isn't sure they want to do it, you know, I go back to, you know, um, last time that Kim preached, you know, the, the famous quote, you know, the, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Mm -hmm. Definitely not saying if you don't go on the mission trip, you're going to hell, right, but right. you know, just, uh, making that, that that next step but uh how would you encourage someone that's kind of on the fence of whether they can do it or not because obviously you know it's it's not gonna be you know like you're going on a vacation there's gonna be 
there's going to be some struggles there. I mean, but that's these people's everyday life that you're going to affect. Right, so, right. so how would you encourage, you know, someone from here to go? Well, I, I think about uh, my friend Greg Peoples. You know, he went on the trip in January of 2019, and we just got out of here. There was a bad storm coming, uh, snowstorm, and, and we ended up getting 12 or 14 inches here over that weekend. It was Martin Luther King weekend, and we just got out of here and flew out. And um, Greg, I, I don't know if he was real apprehensive about it, but then we got down there and we got situated and he just threw himself right into what he knows, and, and that's construction and, and working hard, and, and he got after it. And, and whatever he may have been anxious or worried about, I, I couldn't tell, and, and he worked hard. And uh, same with uh, Ryan and Jeff Hoffman when they, they went on that trip too. Um, you know, they, they were eager to work, and, um, you know, Natalie and Jason on this last trip, I mean, they were just workers, and, and it was the first day. And, and they hit it like the first two hours. They were wheelbarrowing this this kid. He's probably 16 or 17. And he's pickaxing in this clay. And they're just trucking this clay. And he said a couple of days later, that kid, and we found out, he said they were wearing him out because they kept trucking that, that clay and shoveling it. And, you know, that we had to bring the, the floor up on, on the, the church probably five or six inches. So you got to keep trucking it and tamp it down, trucking it and tamp it down yeah. to get it ready for the concrete. And, uh, man, they just, they work so hard. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you just, if you're apprehensive about it, just pray about it and just think, what, is this what I want to do? And, and don't listen to those those voices of fear and stuff. And, and, you know, think about what could, how could the Lord bless me by being obedient? Yeah. You know, by if, if it's really on your heart. But if it's not, if it's like, uh, you know, it's just not my thing. I, you know, I've talked with a couple people and they're like, uh, you know, I don't know. That that's between them and the Lord, and, and right. how the Lord works on their heart, and and if they want to answer that call or not. I, it's not one way or the. I, it's there'll be other things to do. Oh, it's yeah. not like oh well, I'm, I won't go to heaven if I don't do that. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's just an opportunity to just one of many opportunities, and I think this church does a great job of it. Just giving thanks for what's been done for you. Yeah. You know, by being a, a humble servant. Right. And so, I mean, I think you see that from, you know, from the pastor down, Pastor Paul, and, and you know, all the people that, that attend here. And, it, you know, and if you're not plugged in here doing something, it, it won't be long. You'll probably be involved in something. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't take it doesn't no, take real long at all. It uh, doesn't. You know, I'm uh, relatively new in, uh, in the grand scheme of things here. Only been coming for a few years, but it, here we are on this. It didn't, it didn't take too long. No, then, it didn't. And, you know, I, I think this podcast is great. And, you know, you, you just had an idea and took off with it. And that's the great thing about Pastor Paul. He'll, you know, he'll give you the opportunity to, you know, if you come to him and, and you know, if it's your, if it's your baby, he'll, he'll let you take off with it. And, mm-hmm. you know, as, as long as it's not like, well, I think the church should, or I right. think, you know, it's like, well, I, I, this might be something on your heart. So maybe you've been gifted to really t- lead or you take or the initiative, take the initiative. Yeah. And, and that's going to bless you too. And you see where it evolves to, you know, um, when, uh, Chris was kind of stepping down from Grateful Givers that day out here. You know, this was something she started, and look at how it's grown. I mean, you know, kind of like how I mentioned the uh, Compassion and Action thing. We had so many people there that, you know, it went really, really quick. Same thing with Grateful Givers. Um, I mean, I think just in the 
fill in the trays line, maybe I went through five or six times, but that's because there were so many people here. Like, wasn't that we didn't have a, a, you know, a ton of meals, but we did. There were just so many people helping out because that's, you know, they were doing what they were called to do. And it's, it's an awesome experience. And just the way these things develop, just like I said, in the short time that I've been here, just to see the growth of everybody coming together and, Again, working as a team, it's it's been really awesome. But well, uh, yeah, I mean, like what you were saying about Chris, I, I think, you know, it's unfortunate sometimes that people want to hold on to things for so long, and it kind of goes into the ground with them. And to for for Chris to be able to hand those reins over to Stevie, and and she, you know, just when she's so eager to 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 do that, and and you know, she's going to get all the support that that she's going to need for that for sure. And, um, you know, it makes me think about, um, this LifeWise. I don't know if you're familiar with that yep, and, yep. and stuff and, and some of those things, but LifeWise is getting going here in Galleon and yep. Galleon city schools. I know, I think Crawford has it. Most of the other schools in Crawford County are yep. either have it implemented or, and it's just small steps, but, um, it, I'm really excited for that. Um, you know, I just, yeah, I kind of mentioned it last week, you know, it's, you know, when you go back to pastor Paul's diagram from last week, when, where do we serve and, know this lifewise thing is really reaching out and kind of broadening like a you know almost like a spider web just going out further and further and affecting these kids and that's what a lot that scott and i touched on last week was just you know seeing how kids are reacting to lifewise and then you know now they have young life and they've got youth group here um so uh, you know before we get to some of the final things i you know we touched on the missions we've talked uh you know about the the fishing charter um as far as youth group goes you know um what what all have you seen develop there since you know you and Jeannie kind of stepped in you know um when you know Scott kind of stepped down and Jeannie really took control you know what is what is the difference you've seen not even just like in the program but like in the kids in general like I'm of the opinion that I've noticed the faith developing in kids more frequently over the past couple of years, just in, you know, seeing Brantley's friends and, and I'm sure most of it is from coming here and those are most of his friends now, but it just seems like it's affecting kids at a younger age than, you know, maybe when you were growing up or I were growing up, like, I don't feel like I had had as much of that rooted faith as some of these kids do now. Right. Right. Um, well, I think to put things in perspective, Pastor Paul and Cheryl's youngest daughter, Sarah, was a senior. (laughs) So we had her in youth group. So if you think about that, um, it's been, you know, and and she's, you know, she's been a lawyer for I don't even know how many years, five or six years. I'm not even sure. So, Mm -hmm. you know, she's been all through, you know, college and and graduate, postgraduate and all that stuff. And and to look back at all that and just see. But, you know, there, there was a time here when... You know, and I had opportunity to be a part of that team and so thankful for that where we were. We met about every Tuesday and we were reading a book and we were talking. And and I remember um, having conversation about the direction of this church. And it didn't take long to see what was happening to churches. And here's what was happening. You were getting this older group that, you know, church was so important and so big. And then, you know, as the church ages with those people, it just, you start seeing these churches that start getting purchased as homes and start, right. you know, it's just like almost like the museums over in Europe and stuff, all these beautiful cathedrals and stuff that they're just, it's not there, right. you know? And, and so to cut that off, you know, we had a lot of conversations and we're like, 
what if we took out the um the the wing there in the clc those were all rooms yeah all the way out to the stage mm -hmm. those were there were probably six rooms and we did youth group in there we had you know teens we had middle schoolers in different rooms and stuff but then you know with, with the help of some great volunteers um they they redid that made that stage put on kid venture and, and you know we were kind of modeling after um uh, Sugar Creek Church. We went over and watched them, and, and and everything has its cycle. Just like you know the wild game dinner, just like other things. It, it, it everything it, it hits a peak, and then it kind of fades, and then you gotta maybe let it go for a little bit, and then revamp it or whatever. Yeah. And and um, with that, I mean, it just it, it just hit, and it was, you know, unfortunately, I, I don't know the percentage, but there were some people that were you know either upset or didn't like the direction and they they didn't like the choices of music that we were playing and, and it's all stuff that you would hear on Kayla right you right. know and it, and it wasn't and, and I love the hymns I mean I talk about my grandma and grandpa Shriver over at you know Church of Christ in Ashland you know we'd have the hymn book out and, and Old Rugged Cross is one of my favorite mm -hmm. and uh, I love the hymns but you know if you're being strategic about it you want to be getting those parents through the kids you yeah. know and so you offer great opportunities for children and you know you got the children's ministry get that going and and uh, you know amanda and Jeannie, they they worked through you know that together and they got the the you know, i think all the volunteers of uh, phil and andy and all those guys that put on skits and pastor paul he'd he'd do one he'd do a sermon go down during kid venture and be whatever his character was i can't remember his name but he'd have his pants pulled halfway up to his knees in a pool of water and then he'd throw his socks back on put his shoes on come back up for second <laughs> service and i'm like this guy you know and just having that servant's heart and, and all the people that were involved but you know unfortunately it just it just ran its course and, and so now we're on to some other things and and great programming and and you know doing a great job with the kids there amanda and josh and all their helpers and and stuff and so I just, you know, it's, it's a church where I think the kids bring their, their parents. That was kind of the saying about Kid Venture, where, where kids bring their parents to church. And uh, so I, I feel like I feel like growing up, um, like my parents, my dad played softball. He threw darts. He went bowling. And it was like it was all parent-focused, it seemed like. And we did play some summer ball and different things. But now it's like it's totally changed to where the kids have the focus and it's like, yeah. you know, they, they've, they're involved in this sport and then this sport, and then they've got th this workout for this sport next, right. next season. And then they've got summer workouts and summer, summer sports. And it's like, it, there's only so much time. And if we can carve out some of that for, you know, for Christ, you yeah. know, and try to compete with that, which is hard to do. Um, unfortunately, there's a lot of sporting events and things on Sunday. And I'm just, I'll be honest. I'm I'm not a big fan. And, I, and, I agree. Uh, our uh, it, our kids are in the same uh, basketball uh, league, and it it is frustrating. I mean, luckily we have a, a a coach that's you know she says it in the text all the time. Like church comes first. If you can't get here right on you know when we want you here, we understand. Yeah, but yeah. also I you know I kind of look at you know <laughs> Sundays as as being my rest day, which I, I know it can almost sound somewhat hypocritical because I do the open gyms, you know, uh, twice a month, but that's not really like a, a, it's, it's not an obligation and B I'm more or less just giving the kids something to do to have fun and, you know, kind of hone their skill in. And it's, so it's not like it's a forced thing. Like you've got to be there, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm on the same page with you. The, the Sundays for me are, you know, kind of my relaxed day getting reset for the week after church. And, sure. And, 
that's the way I think it should be. But, you know, you look at that, you look at that as almost like an outreach because, one, you're using the facility, you're the church here, and then, you know, you get kids coming, and then they, they become friends, and you meet the, the parents, and you're like, what, what's, what's this church all about? What do you guys mm-hmm. do? And it's like, you know, it's just another entry point, I think, for all the different things, just like the wild game dinner, or the walleye charter, mm-hmm. or the, the, the women's retreat, or yep. any time where you have opportunity to invite somebody to just, hey, you don't have to be in the confines of what you think church is or what you remember growing up or what your fears were, but to be a part of a group of people, like the world changes. You know, guys come there and it's like, okay, I can help out because I'm pretty good at doing this. And then it's like, I might step inside the door here and see what's right. going on. I might listen and I might listen online and it's like, no, I want to go. And then it starts just pulling on you. Yep. And again, that's I think that's an entry point for you. So like, I want to encourage you to keep doing that on Sundays as long as, you feel like it's not, you know, wearing you out, but oh, you no, got to take care of yourself too. But you <laughs> know, it's a that's another mission field, and we're, we're all competing for the the same the same pie. It's right. like the kids only have so much time, the parents only have so much time, and you know, we we want to be at the same. Just get get some of that for the Lord. Absolutely, so, yeah. absolutely. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, you know, I, again, I appreciate you coming on and everything. I've got to ask you. Uh, the, the last question I ask everyone, you know, the advice, uh, the advice column, the, either the, uh, the best piece of advice you've either been given, you have given, or just something encouraging that you've heard before. So, uh, I'll, uh, I'll, uh, let you, uh, answer that question. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a lot of great quotes, I guess, but, uh, I said I wasn't going to mention it, but uh, is one of your pieces of advice to not put a live raccoon in your vehicle? <laughs> <laughs> How much did Nate pay you to say that? <laughs> that's it. Yeah, that's a funny story. That uh, I should have never listened to that lady. She she gave me the sob story not to take care of it right there and put it in my vehicle and take it somewhere else. And so then I he, that that raccoon was still pretty upset. So I just let him rest. Well, unfortunately, if you know me well enough i like to take naps or just straight fall asleep and <laughs> i woke up the next morning to come down to take care of it in my car and he was curled up in my seat in my driver's seat when my key hit the lock he clawed through the leather jumped to the back and i looked and he had uh, left his signature there on my console <laughs> and then uh he had nulled the uh the back headrest there on the one of just foam all over the place and he was somewhere he was underneath or somewhere and i just opened the back and he eventually crawled out, and I didn't get him, but uh, he got me for sure. But uh, so <laughs> he won the battle and the war of that one. <laughs> so, in the words of my grandpa, I guess he'd say, "Don't get in where you can't get out." So uh, that raccoon, he he didn't get in where he couldn't get out because he he got out. But uh, that's been a good one. I tell that to my kids, and Jeannie, she gets to laughing about my grandpa Shriver, and and uh, I don't know, just just so thankful for the for the direction and prayers of my grandparents for sure when maybe my parents kind of fell short in the spiritual leadership that you know they that they should have had and um you know so thankful for the time i got to spend with with them and my siblings and i just i I see so many kids that are being raised by their grandparents or great grandparents Mm -hmm. and i just think these grandparents don't get a chance to be grandparents right you know they're they're being the disciplinarian as, as best they can and it just just breaks my heart but they're trying so hard and uh you know i i i don't know i i think kids get kind of a bad rap and you know everybody's concerned about what's going to happen but you know, 
there's a there's a great harvest out there with kids and LifeWise and you know I know Leanne Reed she does the um, after school program and stuff with the kids and you know they just I know they're hungry for the Lord they just don't know it yeah you know I, I know they will be and then LifeWise is going to kick off here and I just oh man it's going to be so great it, it really so is. excited for having that just right there at the Alliance Church and you know the kids will be able to go right there and yep. right back and yep. just so thankful that you know everybody's working together and doing this and it all comes down to you know doing it for the lord yeah you know um but yeah um i don't know if there was a favorite verse or anything i was thinking about that i know you you ask sometimes what if people have a favorite verse yeah. or anything i um mine is in uh james chapter one um verses two through oh i don't know two through two through seven okay uh, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work, so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. So, Amen to that. <laughs> yeah. But um, thanks so much for having me. Um, I was excited to be on here and listen to your podcast. And, um, you know, you, I feel like you get to kind of know people a yeah. little bit better when they're on here. And, and uh, you know, they kind of share their stories and things and, and stuff and just... Thanks for doing this. And no, I appreciate it. It's I just, been a lot of fun. It's I, been fun. Uh, I know we don't get to see each other a lot, but a lot of texts and memes oh, yeah. <laughs> and movie quotes and stuff. Yep. And, uh, you know, we're just I at that good point. good day. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Willy Wonka. That's yep, funny. Yep. Yeah. It, yeah it, it, it's fun. It's it, fun. It's good to, to have somebody, you know, like like you and, and, and Nate that, that know movie quotes and you can quote them and then they quote them back and it's like, okay. And uh, Mike Glue, he's like that too. He's hilarious, especially Dumb and Dumb. You see Mike Glue and throw a Dumb and Dumber quote his way. He'll, he'll or Tombstone. Uh, those are our two that okay. we go back and forth. But uh, absolutely, I don't think yeah. most people would, you know, you know, especially like the wives. I always eh, no, say, "What's going on in the group chat?" I'm like, "Nothing." You're going to be interested no, in. No. You're going to see a bunch of memes <laughs> that make no sense to you right now. Genia be. What are you laughing at? No, honey, you, you, know, you, you don't get it. You, you got to go back 47 <laughs> messages here to figure out why we got here. <laughs> I, I showed her a video clip the other day, and she just looked at it like it, it was of a guy with a tennis racket and a tennis ball, and he was with his buddies, but they didn't know and he'd be behind him, and he'd hit him so hard with the tennis ball off the racket. And, and she goes, why are you watching this? And I'm like, that's hilarious. And then the one guy was laying on the couch, and he got hammered. Well, there was another guy behind the couch, and he had a, a whipped cream pie. And when he sat up, just smeared it right in his face. I'm, I'm dying, and she, she doesn't get it. So. <laughs> That's it's usually okay. how it goes with my wife too. Like, <laughs> she'll say after I, I, I think something's hilarious, and I show it to her, and she's like, "Yeah, you and I have two way different, uh, <laughs> two different characteristics in comedy there, because that's not funny to me." But yeah, uh, but yeah, thanks for coming on again, man. Um, I'm gonna kind of brush through some of the upcoming things so um you know typical stuff this week youth group and bible study on wednesday um big thing though is the the men's valentine's breakfast and bible study this saturday at 9 a.m and it's in the gym this time um i know there was some confusion with the tech uh, the technological difficulties this past weekend um but it is this 
Saturday, which is what, the uh, 3rd? Yeah, February 3rd. Third. This Saturday, 9 a.m. in the gym. There will be babysitting available in the CLC classrooms. Um, if you haven't signed up yet, um, you know, I'd, if you're not going to be here until church on Sunday, you won't have an opportunity, but get a hold of someone here. They can sign you up or, you know, just show up. It'll be fine. But, um, you know, kind of some stuff on the horizon that uh, is marked in the sermon notes this week. So start marking your calendars. It's never too early, but uh, starting in March, March 29th, uh, the Good Friday service, and then, you know, obviously two days later would be Easter Sunday. Um, and then going into June, you got Vacation Bible School, June 3rd through June 7th. Like Neil mentioned earlier, the uh, men's fishing charter will be that weekend, so the 8th and 9th. Um, the teens Work Hard, Play Hard will be the following week, June 10th and June 14th. Um, the hog roast for St. Jude's is going to be August 3rd. Tim Bell does a great job with that. Um, you know, still weighs out, but, uh, you know, if you, you don't have much going on that week, uh, come on and help out. It's a great time. Family series will start the day after that on August 4th and it'll run through August 18th. And then the women's retreat will be August 24th and 25th. Um, I don't know if they have a for sure location of that yet. Um, I think that what, last year's was Sugar Creek. Is that uh, correct? I'm pretty uh, sure. Carl Carlisle House, I think they stay at. Um, okay. And they have some things going on there. Yep, over okay. Sugar Creek. Yep, so that's coming up. And then... Uh, Oh, it's not at the top of my thing, but um, I mentioned it last week when uh, Scott was on, but uh, February 18th at Grace Point, 5.30 to 8 p.m. is the Lift America Lasting Impact Fellowship for Teachers. Um, you can scan in your sermon notes. There's a QR code. You can go to the website. You can reach out to someone here, Scott, whoever. Um, so And also, so my wife was interested in that, and Scott had sent her a link to send out to the staff there at Madison South. So if you're in a school and, you know, you why not, you know, get the link, send it to your teachers, try to get as many people here as possible. So, uh, so teachers and, uh, staff, and that was the other thing. You don't have to just be a teacher, you know, custodians, you know, my wife's not a teacher. She's an occupational therapy. So anybody that's in the school that is, can affect a kid's life, uh, I would totally recommend it. Um, it says $10 and the doors open at five. So if you need any more information, uh, contact the church office, call Scott, you know, go to the website, get the QR code. But, um, I don't think I missed anything. Do you have anything, you know, uh, that's coming up that I might have missed? Um, no, but I was just thinking um, as we're finishing up here, I, you know, we were talking about people and, and, you know, getting plugged in and serving and stuff. And some people say, well, I just, I don't, I'm not able to do that or physical or whatever. But, you know, we have a great church that prays. We have a, a wonderful praying church. And, and I think a pro graph, she was a, she was a servant. I remember she went to Gulfport on Hurricane Katrina hit in 05. And uh, I don't know how old she was then, but um, I know that Pearl and, and Pat and, you know, a lot of those people, that they just pray. They pray all the time. we got the prayer chain and, yep. and stuff. And, and so I just, I think about my, my mother and father-in-law, my, my children's grand, grandma and grandpa. And, um, you know, they, they pray for them all the time. And they, they pray for us and they pray for, for their other children and their grandchildren yep. and their great-grandchildren. And uh, so they just... Um, just so thankful for Jeff and Karen and and the uh, example that they set for us and and help us. So I, I just want to end with that. And and um, you can do something when people say, you know, I, I can't do anything. Yes, you can. Let's let's start with prayer. You Absolutely. Know? Or or when you get upset and you want to do something, it's like, well, maybe I should pray first. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. And I'm glad you said that because that was another thing in this week's sermon. When uh, where's that here? I, I know I wrote it down, but uh, basically, you know, not. Uh, 
not seeking revenge and retaliating right away, taking your second, showing some grace. But uh, yeah, there it is. <laughs> Keep tuned into God. When you have been wronged or hurt, something arises inside of you that yearns for payback. The Lord wants you to ask him to help you resist that propensity and instead choose grace choose so, grace grace wins every time that's right it's awesome great song. <laughs> yeah. well i think that's a great way to end i thank you guys for listening uh looking forward to next week um i know some illnesses are going around so you know uh some guests that i've got lined up are on the list you know kind of coming down with some stuff um i know yolanda was gonna be uh on on this week and then i reached out and uh neil was uh, more than willing to come on. I'm truly appreciative of that. So uh, keep Yolanda in her in your prayers. Uh, that way she can start feeling better. Uh, she said it's been about three weeks she's been battling it. And you know, uh, if it's anything like I have, if you're uh, an avid listener of this podcast, you heard a couple episodes there where I sounded like uh, I sounded like the spawn of Satan. <laughs> it was it, so it, bad. It just seems to hang for about three or four weeks. Yeah. I don't know, just like a like in your chest and in your sinuses it just kind of hangs yep you can't shake it yeah yeah it was rough but continue to pray for her um you know like uh like neil just finished up with you know just pray um what's that uh song k love right now don't stop praying great uh great way to start your day and uh keeping the main thing the main thing so thank you guys for listening i truly appreciate it looking forward to seeing you guys uh at all the at the group events this week and at church on sunday i'll see you then take care and god bless